mean, I thought that I would end up uh, living in a foreign country and doing mission work. And so this has always been something that has been uh, very, very close uh, to my heart. And then, you know, I ended up getting married and ended up having kids and I've been in a local church forever. But that doesn't mean that you don't get to do uh, international missions or global missions in those regards. Uh, it's interesting when you look at the Bible, when you look throughout the Old and New Testaments, uh, God definitely calls his church, calls his people uh, to global missions, that we aren't just here for the here and now in our local church. We're not just here for our local community, but he has definitely called us to reach outside of our borders and to share his love and grace with everyone. In fact, here's just a couple of them from the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. Declare the, his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all people. Another one from Psalm, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Even in Jeremiah, one of his prophets, he told him, he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to where? The nations. God has always had a work in mind. He has always been preparing people's hearts. He has always been intentional about making sure that his message is being spread all over the world. In fact, if you look to the New Testament, you look to the Gospels and the different writers and the way that they captured the words of Jesus and his final instructions to the disciples before he left the earth. We quote this all the time when we do baptisms here, right? Matthew 28, therefore, and go, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mark wrote it this way. He said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Luke, who is not an eyewitness, he was a guy that went around and got everyone's testimonies. He wrote it this way. Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name. Again, all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And this is the gospel, right? That God came from heaven to earth, that he left the comforts of heaven when God the Father looked at Jesus and said, hey, I need you to go down there and I need you to live among the people. I need you to live a sinless life, ultimately die on the cross for the sins of mankind and then launch one of the greatest movements in the world, hand it over to ordinary men and have them spread my message of grace and mercy and forgiveness. In fact, John in his account, and he most likely had access to the other three, and so most of the content that John writes is unique, which is why he writes it a little different. But he, in his account, put it this way, that Jesus said to the disciples, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, right? So as the Father has sent me, I even now, I am sending you. And that's what you hear over and over and over again in the Bible, that God is a God that sends us out to do his work to be his hands and feet, and to share his love and grace with everyone. In fact, the book of Acts, which is following the Gospels, is really the account of the launching of the church. And so if you're new to church, you're new to Christianity, and you want to figure out how God started the church, start in the book of Acts, and it'll give you a play-by-play -play how this all unfolds. In fact, right in the first chapter, Jesus is with the disciples, and he takes them to the Mount of olives and he's standing there and once again he gives them one more final instruction just so that they all know they're all on the same page he says these words you're going to receive power when the holy spirit comes on you and you're going to be my witnesses you're going to be my witnesses in jerusalem and in judea and samaria and to the ends of the earth think about that to the ends of the earth 
And this is his final words. This is, these are the last things that they hear Jesus say after he's raised from the dead, after he's walked with them for 40 days, he's revealed himself to all these people. He begins to ascend, as crazy as it sounds, he begins to ascend into heaven and he disappears. And then guess what the disciples did? Does anybody know? Does anybody know what the disciples did? They just kept staring up into the sky and staring and staring and staring to the point of God had to send two angels down and say, hey, he's not coming back. Not yet, not for a long time. Guess what? It's now on you. You have to go and do this. And they're like, wow, he's really serious. He's really giving us this mission to go and to spread his love and his grace and his mercy which is exactly what they did. They went back into Jerusalem. They went into an upper room. There's now 120 of them. They begin to pray. The Holy Spirit comes on them. Peter, one of them, stands up in front of this huge crowd, preaches an 11-minute sermon, and how many people were added to the church that day? How many? Thousands. Thousands were added to the church. It's absolutely incredible when you look at the passage. You notice it says that, it doesn't say that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And it doesn't even say that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or to the ends of the earth. It says you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And for us and for them then, Jerusalem's just our local community it's actually our family as well. And isn't it interesting that sometimes the hardest people to reach is our families? Does anyone have experience with that? Some of the hardest people to evangelize, to share the gospel with, are the ones that live in our homes, or the ones that we see at Christmas, or the ones we're preparing to see at Easter, right? But yet God calls, them, uh, calls us to them. And then we have our Judea and Samaria. And, you know, Tyler talked about this last week. And, you know, Detroit's only a few minutes away from here. It's not even that many miles. And yet, sometimes we get the attitude of, oh, well, those people down there, or, oh, I've given up on them, or, oh, that guy hasn't really called us to those people, when, in fact, he has called us to those people. He has called us to all people that we would value everyone. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you can get so frustrated with all the negativity about our country. Does anyone just get sick and tired of hearing it? Man, what if the church just decided we're just going to be positive about our country, that we're going to be on the offense about our country, that we're going to do everything we can to share the love and the grace and the mercy of God with those in the United States? And if you didn't know this, we only represent 5% of the world's population. The fact that we even are Americans, that we get to live in this great country and we get to control the economy, the world economy, the way that, that we do, the wealth that we have, the things that we have access to with doctors and education is unparalleled in this world. We are so blessed to live where we live that God would even allow us to be the ones that are called to go on mission trips, to give of our finances and our resources to help others. It's absolutely incredible that our God would start with his followers, a group of men, 11 guys, and then they added another one, 12, that became 120, that became 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. Do you know that Christianity grew at a rate of 40% per decade for the first 300 years of its existence? 
Some estimate that Christianity by the year 100 was 25,000 people, and by the year 300 AD was up to 20 million followers of Jesus. The disciples knew what their calling was from God, and the same calling applies to us today. And when you think about our church, Shepherd's Gate, we just celebrated 38 years. We're 38 years old. And we look at the history of this church as far as global missions is concerned. We've been active, a lot more active in global mission initiatives, really just the last 10 years, as far as launching people out and sending people on mission trips. Last week, if you were here, you were handed this sheet that listed all of the organizations that we financially support locally and globally. If you weren't here last week, then go into your inbox and find the email that says Tim Bollinger. It has my name on it. And then you actually want to open it and read it. Because you all read my emails, right? Or if you didn't get it, go to your spam folder or your junk folder and then open it and read it, and it lists all of the things, because this is a church that gives 13% of everything we bring in, we give right back out our doors. In fact, this is the global missions uh, that we were able to donate last year in 2017. The crazy part is when you look at the fact that our church gave a quarter of a million dollars away, we gave 14% of that quarter million dollars to global missions. You know what that tells me? We have a lot of opportunity ahead of us. This thing could take off. We could be so much more involved in our world than we are even now. And sometimes we need to hear the stories of ordinary people just like you and I that are doing extraordinary things through the Holy Spirit working in and through them. In fact, I want to share just a few stories with you this morning. And one of the things that I've loved about this series is not just the guest speakers that we've had come and be part of our church, but also just ordinary members of our congregation, whether it's through them sharing their testimonies or through the, through the videos that we've shown of what God has done in and through them. And uh, here's one that's not necessarily from our church. This is a young gal. Maybe some of you have read this book called Kisses from Katie. Anybody out there ever read this book? Right? Just, just so you know, this girl, Katie Davis, she's from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. She went on a short-term mission trip to Uganda when she was 18 years old, right? Her parents said, okay, well, we'll release her and let her go. And she came back, and she started her first year of college. And after her first semester of college, uh, she dropped out against her parents' wishes, and she said, God is calling me to Uganda. And so she left, and she moved to Uganda at this young age, and by the time she was 23 years old, she adopted 13 girls as a single woman. Isn't that crazy? Is that the move of God or what? And so you can imagine the, the comments and the things that she received and what people must have thought she was crazy and you're never going to get married and you know, who's going to want to date someone that's got 13 kids already and 13 girls and all this stuff. And wouldn't you know that uh, 10 years later, it's been 10 years since she first stepped foot in Uganda, that a little over a year ago that God brought a man into her life, they got married and they have a little son there that you can see that she's holding and then she wrote another book. You want to be inspired? Read one of her accounts, her books. And you're thinking, wow, that just seems so impossible, that just seems so far off. How in the world do people even do that? Well, let me just share some practical ones with you. Here's a gal, this next slide here. Chelsea Cassidy, her, her mom and her stepdad are actually very faithful attenders to the 8.30 service. I don't see them here. They might be coming to the 10 o'clock. They're not here, right? 
Uh, she, uh, she went and got a degree in mathematics, right? So she, was, she uh, started off as a school teacher for a semester, and then she just felt like God was calling her to missions. So she signed up for this mission trip where you go to 11 countries in 11 months. How many of you parents would be excited about sending your young daughter to 11 countries all over the world for 11? And this is exactly what she's doing right now. This is what young adults are signing up for at record paces in our country. Here's another one. This gal, her family moved here several years ago. Uh, she grew up in our youth program, Lindsay Kuzera. She right now is on a Holy Land immersion team, a three-month mission trip in Bethlehem, living with a family and doing ministry. Uh, it's just incredible to see people from our congregation, people from right here at Shepherd's Gate, currently active overseas that we need to support and love and pray for and encourage. And I don't know how many of you uh, are familiar with Bill and Ellen Gass. How many of you know Bill and Ellen Gass? You've heard that, so, so several of you. Do you know that this year is the 20th anniversary of their ministry in Honduras? And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, this is one of the most humble, gentle, uh, quiet couples you will ever meet. In fact, those of you at 8.30, they usually sneak in over here on this side, and they'll come and they'll sit over here. I don't know if you guys have met them since you sit in that section. And then they kind of just go back out. Uh, these two uh, have an absolutely incredible story. They were school teachers, all right? And they retired from being school teachers, and after the hurricane went through and blew up Honduras, they just felt that God wanted them to go to Honduras. And so they just went down there in faith, and they prayed about where God would lead them. And uh, I wish that they were here today. I wish that you could hear from them today, but they're actually in Honduras right now. They go every uh, January, February, March for, for two to three months at a time to do ministry. And I want you to think about this, that over the 20 years that they have been going to Honduras, year after year after year, this couple has built 172 houses, 55 schools, 172 classrooms, three orphanage buildings, two dormitories for the orphanages, and a mission center, and then, oh yeah, by the way, with no construction experience, again, having no knowledge of how to do any of this, build a 234-foot bridge so that kids could go to school. Isn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. In fact, we knew that they weren't going to be able to be here today, and so before they left for Honduras, we said, would you come in and would you just share with our congregation, could we shoot a video of you that we could share, a two- to three-minute highlight video of just how God has worked in your lives? And they said, sure. And uh, it was funny because our video guy, Jeff, who does all our videos here, literally had over an hour's worth of video from all of the incredible stories. But I want you to watch this clip of you, so you can hear from them the incredible things that God has done in and through them. Let's watch this together. <laughs> Who would travel to the most dangerous country on earth multiple times a year? It's a wild place. Meet Bill and Ellen Gass, members of Shepherd's Gate Church and founders of The Mission of Hope. They've retired from teaching and spent the last 20 years building homes, schools, and doing mission work in Honduras, which is not easy. We've seen some things, a lot of things that were absolutely heartbreaking. You see them and you just want to sit down and cry. They've seen the violence, been victims of theft, had a truck stolen, and even had an attempted hijacking on their compound. Everything is corrupt. That's all they think about is, how can I steal Memo's tools? How can I, you know, what can I, what can I get? They persevere, and the success stories make it worth it to Bill and Ellen. One of the children that we found in the first family in 1998, we watched him, and we, we built the family a home, but, um, they're still they're very, very, very poor, and he's now the oldest of eight kids. 
He's now graduated from college. We sponsored him, and he has just graduated last June from the university in a, with a degree in engineering. Five, year, five years of education. So we are really thrilled for him. The gas has never planned on starting Mission of Hope. Throughout the process, they've followed their faith. He made it clear. And when he made it clear, he provided absolutely everything we needed so that we were able to do these things that we, that we can't even do, we couldn't even imagine being able to do, because he did it for us. Because we trusted him, and he will not let you down if you trust him. give God praise for Bill and Ellen Gass. And here's the thing, when we, when we sat down with them, we said, what are your needs? What are your needs? And they said, really, truly, we need people that will pray for us, that'll be prayer partners, that'll, that'll commit to praying every single day because of what we experience and the danger that's down there. And they don't get to take a lot of people with them. There are some people from our church that have gone on the trip with them, but very few. They actually try to talk you out of going on the trip. That's how they know if you really, truly want to go on this mission trip. And uh, they said they would love to have people that would be willing to pray with them and for them. And then I said, what about financial support? And they said, well, we don't like asking for financial support. And if people want to donate, that's great. 100% of everything that they donate goes toward the mission. I said, well, let me ask for you. I'll do it for you. So if this is something that God would put on your heart that you would want to contribute and be a part of helping them continue in that work, I would encourage you to do that. You know, many of you know that we just returned from this mission trip to Belize, and uh, it's crazy to think it's now been this 10-year journey that we started in 2008. The first mission trip, 2008, we were in an interim. We didn't have a pastor at that time uh, between Bjorgard and Trinkline, and I wasn't even married. That's how long ago it was, right? See what happens in 10 years? That's what I'm saying. Time goes by so fast. And we went to northern Belize, and we went through an organization called Praying Pelican, and we were, it was really just our first mission trip to kind of explore and figure out what this was all about and if God was calling us to this country. And the fact that we would go back in 2010 and meet Pastor Joe and Judy, who had become really the, the, the key to all of the mission trips from then on out. That in 2012, we would go back and work with Pastor Joe and Judy again. In 2016, work with three different villages and then in 2016, they said, hey, you know what? You guys really love missions. Why don't you go south? Why don't you go as far south as you can possibly go in Belize? Because they don't get any mission trips down there. They don't get any mission teams down there. And so we said, hey, Shepherd's Gate people are crazy. They'll get on these little tiny puddle jumper planes and spend more money and go on this mission trip. And that's exactly what happened. And so I want you to see these pictures. These are from the 2018 trip. Uh, we've built so many things over the years, but this is what your money, Shepherd's Gate, you paid for this. You can see the church at the top there. Uh, that's their worship center, which is about half the size, maybe a quarter size of our fellowship hall. And then you can see their fellowship hall to the right. It's a nice grass hut. How many think we should build one of those on the back of the church, right? Wouldn't that be cool? A lot of airflow goes in and out of there. And they just wanted bathrooms. So we built them bathrooms. You paid for that so they could have nice bathrooms for their church. The one on the right there, San Miguel Village, the building on the left is their church, 
And in 2016, we built that Sunday school room on the right. Our men and their men worked shoulder to shoulder to build that. And then you can see we got to go back and actually paint the facility. Uh, you can see how it just, it just makes the thing pop. And uh, neither one of these villages have, any, have ever had any other mission groups outside of Shepherd's Gate. And the impact that people from our church are making when they go on these trips. In fact, I wanted you to hear from one of them this morning that has gone on this trip, and she's going to come and just share for a few moments. So will you please put your hands together for Michelle Cozera as she comes to share. Oh yeah, you do need a microphone.
nice dinner and a little marriage video seminar. And we just sat and we talked and, you know, we're different but similar. We had hopes and dreams for our kids. We worried about the same things. Um, but what really struck me about that night was um, couples took pictures of it and they said, we want to remember this forever because it was such a special night to them because they don't go out and have dates. So some simple things that we just do all the time and take for granted. Um, but what really stands out to me about Belize is just the simple life that everyone lives. They really have so little, yet they're so content and happy. Um, their families are so close, often living only a few steps from each other. So on our very last day in San Miguel, we met in the church and many of the families presented gifts to our team, their beautiful handcrafted items, just to say thank you. Um, many tears and hugs were exchanged and real connections were made. And we hope to see our new brothers and sisters again. So I encourage you, if you have ever considered serving on a global mission, you might be a little apprehensive, um, as I once was, but I um, pray for God to touch your heart and prod you along. You can share your time, talents, and abilities with those who have so little, and that small thing can make a lasting impact on generations of people that you can serve, but also on you. Awesome. And here's just a short little two-minute clip of what took place in Belize. aren't they? 
And uh, one of the things that kind of came out of this trip was some of our men on the trip saying, you know, uh, we've always struggled to figure out what we should do for men in our church. It seems like we always have a lot of events and things for women, and then, you know, we got some Bible studies, but how do we engage men? Some of our men said, hey, what if we did a mission trip where it was men, and it was all construction, and we just went down there and just helped them uh, get the facilities that they need to continue to do ministry on the off years, and then when we go back, then we can come together and be able to uh, have even more opportunity to partner with them in ministry. So I want you to think about that. Some of you, I know, you, you, it's on your heart and you're right there on the cusp of just crossing over that line and being part of it. And uh, you know, we talked about this in December, but it's worth mentioning on this Global Mission Sunday as well. Uh, one of the other things that we're looking at in the future is partnering with Key of Hope. And uh, they, they've been here twice now over the last couple of years. They were just here in December. Uh, and this guy here, uh, him and his family, uh, Dan, uh, four daughters, they are celebrating 10 years. Isn't it interesting? Everybody's gone their 10-year anniversary. And what started off with just a few kids, 17 kids, has now turned into over 700 kids that they minister to every single week. And God has laid it on two of our members, Greg and Kathy Omen, who are thinking about uh, the possibility of heading this mission trip up. In fact, they're going to be going with another church this September on an exploratory trip. They're going to be going for two weeks, September and October, and uh, with the hopes of coming back with enough data and research that we could actually offer this trip in 2019. So who wants to go to Africa? Right? Nobody. <clears throat> Should I ask the 10 o'clock service? Right? So we're going to pray and we're going to support and we're going to encourage them as they do this. And I'm just excited to see us expanding past uh, Belize, uh, expanding past Honduras and watching as God continues to expand our global influence. And I know you're here this morning and you're saying this is all great and glad that our church gives to it, but I'm too old or I have health issues or I have dietary or physical limitations or I'm dealing with aging parents or I have young kids or maybe you're afraid of flying or you don't feel called to go on a mission trip or maybe you're saying, I just don't even have money. It seems like it's going to cost so much money to be part of that. And the last group that I want to introduce you to this morning is uh, two of our members that approached me and said, hey, you know, we know that this global mission thing is coming up. And uh, both of us are highly involved in something called Compassion International. And uh, this is a way for people that maybe can't afford to go on a mission trip or don't feel called to go on a mission trip to still be involved in one way, shape, or form in impacting our world for Jesus. And so we're going to watch just a very short clip about this. They're going to come and share, uh, and then we're going to conclude our time together. So let's watch this clip together. My name is Ablavi. I am 12 years old and I am in the fourth grade. Some of the challenges that the kids in our community are facing are no different from the ones I faced. No food, no money, no health care. Life was so difficult to us. We were suffering. Sometimes we go to bed without food, without eating. It was so difficult for us. But 
that. Thank God, since I was enrolled in Combustion, they help us. They really help us. So I am so glad today. I'm so grateful of my sponsors, Linda and Doug. When I received the first letter that day, I was so much excited, especially when I saw the picture. And when I got back home, I showed the picture and the letter to mom. And we were all excited and we prayed for them. I'm very pleased that I am also enrolled in this program of compassion. First, we pray. We hear the word of God and then we have lunch. After that, we play games. Also, they pay my school fees for medical checkups and for other needs of my family. My relation with the sponsors encouraged my faith. I trust Jesus that if I pray, especially in difficult situations, if I pray, Jesus could help. After school, I would like to be a doctor to help sick people to get well so they can give thanks to God. The most important thing, the most important change that the sponsorship has brought in my family is hope. Linda and Doc promised to continue praying for me so that I could be released from poverty. You're invited to sponsor a child today. Join us, share God's love, and help release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsor a child today. sponsoring a child uh, since 2007, and I've added more to that number. And Compassion International was originally founded by a man whose name was Everett Swanson. He was a minister in Chicago, Illinois, and God put it on his heart to go to South Korea in 1952 during the Korean War. And the thing that he was going to go there for was to minister to the troops. But when he arrived, he saw something totally different that moved his heart. And it was the plight of all the orphaned children in South Korea because of the war. And uh, in 1953, he started to raise funds so that he could go back there and do something about those orphans. God spoke to his heart. In 1954, he, de he developed sponsorship programs to support the orphans, and he did what he could. And when he started out, there were only 35 orphans that he had enough money to get sponsorships for. Everett Swanson Evangelistic Association was the first uh, association that started sponsorship programs for children. And as I said, it was in South Korea. In 1963, it changed to Compassion International, and it was based on the scripture verse in Matthew 15, 32, 
where it says, I have compassion on the multitude, I will not send them away hungry. And 1.7 million children today are sponsored through Compassion International in 26 countries around the world. And the child sponsorship programs always work through the local church in those communities. And they provide a safe haven, they provide good food, clean water, life skills, training, spiritual support and guidance, but most of all, they're given the gospel to the local pastors in their communities. Uh, I sponsored a child in 2007, as I said, and her name was Katerin Paola Castellar Marquez. And at that time, I was unable, and even prior to that, to go on mission trips because of my financial situation. But the one thing that I thought that I could do was sponsor a child through Compassion International. And that's when my sponsorship started. And I'd just like to read you uh, from Psalm 41.1. And it says, Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. And I'd just like to read a letter to you. Catherine Paola Castellar Marquez is the girl that I sponsored starting in 2007. And last fall, she aged out of the program. And I have here a letter, her last letter to me. And it was kind of a shock to me because, you know, after being a part of her life for 10 years, now she was no longer going to be a part of my life. I still pray for her, though. And this was her last letter to me. Dear Mr. Cop, receive lots of blessings from the Almighty. I am very happy for this new opportunity of writing you again. I want to thank you very much for all the support, prayers, presence, and advice I received, which I value and keep in my heart. During the time I was in the program, I received spiritual orientation by the teacher, where I learned to pray and I accepted Jesus into my heart. I also participated in birthday parties, pool trips, camps, youth encounters, and bicycle trips. They taught me income-generating skills such as jewelry making, underwear making, and cosmetology, and balloons art. I also received medical assistance, dentistry, and nutrition. I want to tell you that I completed the program for me. I plan for the future to enter the university and study nursing. I say goodbye, wishing that God grants me all my plans. I love you very much, your friend, Catherine Paola Castellar Marquez. And if there's one thing that really moves my heart is that if you decide to sponsor children today or in the future, one thing that you're giving them is hope. And most of these children have absolutely no hope at all. And the definition of hope is a confident expectation of future good. So you're actually changing one life for a lifetime. And I just am just so pleased to be a part of Compassion International. Thank you. Yeah, hi, my name is Corey. I want to say a few quick words about Compassion. Uh, as a family, we were drawn to this organization because of the impact one can have on the life of a child. We have sponsored children through Compassion over about the last 10 years. 
We currently sponsor two children through Compassion, one by the name of Guillermo, who's from Bolivia, and another by the name of Marvel, who's from Indonesia. As the video has shown, and as Ralph talked about, these are kids that are born into a situation where they have virtually no hope. Born into extreme poverty through absolutely no fault of their own. A place where true starvation is real. The booth we have in the fellowship hall contains profiles of many children that need our help. A small monthly financial contribution gives you the power to truly change a life. Awesome, can we give these guys a hand? And here's the thing, church, and you know this, <clears throat> I know we've thrown a lot at you this morning, but that everybody can be involved in some way, shape, or form. And as a church, we're committed to doing this and continuing to do this. And I hope, I'm just going to be honest with you, that in five years, and then especially in ten years, that we have so many mission trips that we're offering here that... God has just allowed us to increase our influence in our world, and so I hope that you'll come along for the ride, that you'll seriously pray about what is it that God would call you to do, to participate on an individual level as we continue to seek God for what he would call us to do as a church. And so today, after the service uh, in the fellowship hall, there's booths out there for Honduras, for Africa, for Belize, and for Compassion International. They have a package. You can take a kid home, uh, adopt a kid home today. But together as a church that we would just continue to seek God's face and ask him what it is that he's calling us to do as we continue to value everyone, both here in our neighborhood and all over the world. Amen? So will you please stand with me as we close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this church and I thank you for their continued sacrificial giving in the way that you have blessed us that we can be a blessing to others. And God, as we look back at all of the mission trips that this church has been a part of, we look at uh, just the different organizations that ordinary, everyday people from Shepherd's Gate have been part of, God. We ask now that you would give us your wisdom and insight for the future, that you would lead and guide our decisions, and that you would convict our hearts. Show us where we can participate, what we can do to help those that are far from us know you and come to a saving knowledge of you. And so, God, once again, we're just humbled by you and everything that you do for us. Now, God, show us how we can move into action in these regards. We love you and thank you for everything that you give us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Receive the blessing of our Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Once again, I would just encourage you to uh, head out into the fellowship hall. Also, you got a card on your